T.I. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mac Lessons Radio Show. This is your gracious host. My name is Mr. Tariq Elite, broadcasting live out here in Los Angeles, California. I'm ready to make it do what it do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to have a good show today. Not going to take any calls on today's show. I just want to spit from the survival scrolls on today's show. Today's topic is, why do black people allow themselves to be pawns? And I'm going to get into the whole street harassment thing. I talked about street harassment last week, but now I'm going to get deeper in it. I want to talk about some articles that came out about me. Just a lot of stuff that's going on. We're going to get real deep with some game. But right now, we're going to take a couple of quick commercials, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll be right back on Tariq Elite Radio. You are now tuned to the king of game, Tariq Elite on KSultra.com t-shirts. This month's shirt is dedicated to those seeking power. In the book, 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene, the author advises seekers of power how to look in both directions at once, like the Roman god Janus, depicted with two faces, one looking to the past, one looking to the future. This month's t-shirt comes with a booklet describing the design, and it also comes with free stickers. Sign up for the t-shirt subscription right now. Mac Lessons Radio listeners use the coupon code KFLEX and get 50% off of everything on your first month. Go to KSultra.com. Have you ever thought about pursuing a career in technology or are you currently working in the technology industry but you've been frustrated about being the only black, Hispanic, or woman on the team? If so, you need to get the brand new book called Minority Tech written by Anwan Simmons who has worked as a black man in technology for over 20 years. Minority Tech covers topics like the need of a code of conduct for black men, why affirmative action is valuable, and the importance of international travel, and the benefits that being a minority brings to technology. For more information, go to MinorityTech.com. You're now tuning into the king of game, Tariq Elite, on Tariq Elite Radio. What's up, family? We are back right here on Tariq Elite Radio, also known as MacLessonsRadio.com. And people, don't forget, man, we got the brand new international Tariq Elite Aviator sunglasses. They're out right now. These glasses are fly as hell. It's brand spanking new. We have them on sale right now. We got an introductory sale. They retail for like 80, 90 bucks, but you can get them on the website right now for just $19.95, ladies and gentlemen, for a limited time only. So go to TariqElite.com and get the brand new international Tariq Elite Aviator sunglasses on sale now. They are very, very fly. And also, I'm going to be in Buffalo, New York 
We're having a screening of Hidden Colors 2. They're bringing me out there to Buffalo, New York at um, the Market Arcade Film and Art Center. That's Friday, November 1st. So that's next week, not this Friday, but the Friday after next. So if you're in Buffalo, come on down, top up game with me. I'm, they're going to show the film, and I'm going to do a question and answer afterwards and take pictures and sign things, and it's going to be great. We're going to have a great time up there in Buffalo. I got to find out what the weather is up there. All my Buffalo listeners, hit me up on Twitter at Tariq Nasheed. Ladies and gentlemen, and also on TarikaLeet.com, we have a whole bunch of great t-shirts and clothing and all that good stuff that you need to get there at TarikaLeet.com. But right now, y'all, I want to talk about black people allowing ourselves to be used as pawns. We, as black people, we have a habit of letting people run game on us and start stepping to us when they want something or they want to satisfy an agenda. They always come to us with that same old game and we go for it all the damn time. So when are we going to understand and get to a point where we're realizing that people are using us for their own advantage and we're really not getting anything out of it? And I'm saying that to talk about this whole stop and frisk movement. And I discussed this on a couple of shows ago couple episodes back and now I want to get deeper into it because what happened when I talked about the whole stop and frisk thing and how a lot of black feminists were involved there was a major backlash with a lot of black feminists which I don't mind I don't mind no no you know hooping and hollering there was a Twitter black backlash all the black feminists on Twitter wanted to argue with me and I, I handled all of them I had no problem with them I can I can handle all that rhetoric and there was a, a few articles that came out. Ebony Magazine, like I said, they put out something and a couple of other websites and um, black feminist run blogs. But there was one in particular that I had a problem with. That's Clutch Magazine. And we, we rectified that. They came out with an article talking about my street harassment show. And the article they put out, they tried to push the envelope and they pushed it a little bit too far. This this particular writer from Clutch Magazine, and Clutch is a black feminist blog, by the way. She tried to push the envelope and pushed it way too far. And then it got into a whole bunch of slander and defamation. And the the article was accusing me of all types of crazy stuff. And, and they literally, they had to take it down. They tried to amend some things, but then we kept finding different defamatory arguments in there and then they just had to go ahead and take it down altogether because then it got into a whole legality thing where they just you just can't do that and and I, I even had a conversation with the writer after she had to take it down she wanted to talk to me and I thought that she was going to be remorseful about it and she kind of had a real janky attitude and I'm like okay so she's not even remorseful about the article, but I, I'm and I let her be let her know in so many words. I don't care what your ideology is or what your thoughts are on me or whatever. Just don't put no lies out on me. I respect any journalism, but you got to have journalistic integrity. And the writer, what's her name? Kirsten West Savali, I think that's her name. And that was my whole thing. Whatever you write, and I'm, I'm, and this is a message to all some of you feminist writers out there. Y'all work for these blogs, especially some of these so-called reputable blogs. I mean, y'all don't push it. Now, you can have your, your ideas, you can have your ideologies, you can have your opinions, but the whole slander thing, I, I don't do that. 
I don't let that slide. I don't let that whole slander thing slide. And when y'all start making up stuff and lying and all that, no, we, you can't do that. I'll, I'll let you know you can't do that. And sometimes, you know, people try to be badasses and try to be on that stubborn shit. Well, you be stubborn up in court. Do do that. Use that with the judge. Do that with him. Don't don't. I'm not gonna play games with you. Go to court and just be stubborn with the judge. Because I'm not gonna play that game. Now, if you got an opinion, you want to state your opinion. I'm a piece of shit. I'm an asshole. Okay, that's that's fine. That's an opinion. But then y'all start talking about this article that this woman came out with. It start talking about me teaching men how to engage in human trafficking and exploiting women. It was real crazy. It went all types of places that it should not have gone. But the point is that these articles come out trying to literally slander what I was saying about street harassment and a lot of ideologies that I have about black feminism. You guys know that I'm a staunch critic of that because a lot of people, a lot of so-called black feminists they've done many things that I have seen that has been detrimental to the black community as a whole and I think that should be called out and the thing is there are some sisters out there who venture out or get lined up with some black feminists thinking that it's going to be something productive and then when they realize that it's not what they say it's going to be they are bullied into going along with the program anyway But again, the reason I want to talk about this is this whole stop and frisk movement. And again, I touched on it a few weeks ago, but the stop and frisk movement, not stop and frisk. I I keep stop and frisk and and street harassment. It's it's one and the same to a certain degree. It's one and the same to a certain degree because now they're using street harassment as an excuse for stop and frisk. That's what they're doing now. See, the thing is, all these stories coming out about street harassment, it's being financed by who? It's not just coming up randomly. All of this street harassment stuff, it's not coming out because somebody wants to look out for the betterment of black women, by the way. And if you notice, all of these street harassment stories, they put in black women in the forefront getting so-called black women to speak out against it. There's a reason for that. See, they're trying to make it seem like it's an innocent, bipartisan, biracial thing that has nothing to do with race or gender, and I mean, or, really race. They're trying to make it seem like it has nothing to do with race, and that's not honest. They tried to do the same thing with stop and frisk, when, and that's why I keep referring to it as stop and frisk, because when stop and frisk happened, or when they had the stop and frisk movement in New York and all those other East Coast cities, they tried to make it seem like stop and frisk was, oh, it had nothing to do with race. They were like, yeah, we're going to have to start stopping and frisking people. Oh, you know, it's just going to be all across the board. It's just going to be random people. That's how they were saying it was going to be. But as we know, 80% of the people they were stopping were black and brown. So it was not random. It was not um, non-biased. It was a way to target black folks. And when I say black folks, that includes the Latinos too, because people say black and Latino, but hell, they're just black folks with accents as far as I'm concerned. I don't even really like to go to the Latino thing. I just say black folks because we try to differentiate. They were targeting people classified 
as black or people of African descent. I'll go there. I'll qualify it that way. And the thing is, a lot of times when you point out the whole street harassment thing and how it is going to target black men, people of African descent, eventually, because that's what it's set up to do. If you notice, if you say that, a lot of so-called black feminists will jump up and throw up the smoke screen. Well, no, you're trying to minimize street harassment. Street harassment is real. Then they'll start going into individual stories about how one of their friends was street harassed, how they were street harassed. They'll start going off into these smoke screen stories. Nobody's saying that street harassment does not exist. Let's not go there. Because people like to pick and choose quotes to use. Let's not go there. Street harassment, it does exist. I know it exists. Street harassment has always existed. But now when we talk about it on a socio-political level, black men are going to be the target of it. That's the problem that I have. Now that you want to make a socio-political movement of it, black men are being unfairly targeted. You can clearly see that they're using the street harassment to flip and target black males. Now the fact that women do get targeted for street harassment, sometimes by black men, many times by white men and Latino or Mexican men, we acknowledge that, but can you, black feminists or women, acknowledge the fact that black men are targeted with these street harassment claims? unfairly and unjustly and they're being targeted purposely and they're using the street harassment claims to target black men can you acknowledge that and that's what i want you fellas to ask any black feminist or any black woman who stands up for this whole street harassment movement let them know i acknowledge that black women and women all around the world are harassed on the streets can you acknowledge that black men are being targeted by this movement if they can't acknowledge that two things either they're just playing naive or they're purposely ignoring it because they're in cahoots they know exactly that it's targeting black men and they have no problem with that because that's the what I call the Negro bedwinch mentality because you want them to target black men because you have vitriol for black men anyway this is why a lot of these black feminists they know what the game is but they pretend to be naive when you point out both sides of the game they just keep talking about, well, we, my cousin, my friend, I had a friend who was harassed. Harassment is real. I can't go nowhere. Okay, we get that. That happens. All black men don't do it, but many black men are targeted unfairly. So we got to be very realistic about that and look at the people's responses and look at their reaction and see why they're reacting a certain way. See, the thing is this. Black men, we don't condone no damn street harassment as a whole. We don't condone, I don't condone it. As a matter of fact, my whole platform is to dissipate the thirsty energy that comes from dudes. I've done several shows about thirsty dudes and how they shouldn't act like that. So if y'all are giving out this money and all of these fundings and research money and all that to stop street harassment, I deserve a check. I'm the first one who should get a check because I've been telling men to not harass women on the streets and act thirsty on the streets. That's been my whole platform. I've, I've taught that from day one. If you listen to recordings I've done, I've gone in on guys for acting thirsty and dusty when it comes to women on the streets. So I, so I should get some of that funding if that's the case. But men in general, we don't condone thirsty 
harassing behavior from other men. We just don't do that. Because if we're going to use that whole thing, we can say well, there should be an anti-hood rat movement, an anti-ratchetness movement, because there's a lot of black women out here who fight in the streets. And if you YouTube hood fight, you see literally thousands of videos of black women fighting. As a matter of fact, you see more videos of black women fighting than black men fighting. You Google it or YouTube it. You will see more videos of black women fighting in the streets than you do see men. You go to YouTube and just type in hood fight. The I would say about 70% of them are females fighting, black women fighting. So if we're going to go by the street harassment logic, can't you say, well, damn, I want anti-ratchetness in my hood. And I think there should be a movement based on all of these black women fighting. And maybe we should just avoid black women. Would you support that? Should all black women be to blame for all the ratchet fighting that goes on in the hood or in the black community? Should all black women be to blame for all of the ratchet fighting videos that we see on YouTube? I want you guys to email, email me and answer that question, ladies. Should you all be blamed for that? Because we see more of that than we do see street harassment. And y'all got y'all want all black men to be responsible for this whole street harassment thing that we don't even co-sign. But the thing is this, there's a, a company called Hollaback. Hollaback, that's a grassroots initiative organization, and they're behind this whole modern street harassment movement. They're behind that. As a matter of fact, when Clutch Magazine put that fraudulent article about me, about shit that I didn't say and things I didn't do, the Hollaback on Twitter, their Twitter page, were they were retweeting that article that I was in. Go look that up, by the way. See, we got to look at the people behind all this stuff. And this is why I say black folks are used as pawns because what happened with this hollaback thing, they were funded by the city of New York. Hollaback, it started, I think it was a white lady who started it. It was a small grassroots effort. And then the city of New York started giving them funding. I think they gave them initially almost $30,000 to um, combat street harassment. Now, why is the city of New York giving this grassroots organization money to stop street harassment? Let's just look at reality. Let's just look at facts. In New York City, we know we have stop and frisk in New York, and now stop and frisk is becoming unconstitutional. A judge ruled earlier this year, this summer, as a matter of fact, that stop and frisk is unconstitutional because it, it stop and frisk just stomps on the Constitution. It just shits on the Fourth Amendment where you just stop people, do search and seizure, you know, without any 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 reason. The fact that you can just walk up on anybody and just say, hey, put your hands up, let me search you without their consent and without them able to do anything, that literally shits on the Fourth Amendment in the Constitution. So legally, they're going to have to get away with just doing that. So they're going to need an excuse to be able to do that. So it's not a coincidence that this whole street harassment thing is popping up and now black men are being targeted already. See, this is history repeating itself, family. Back in the 1970s, there was a big anti-rape movement with white feminists. In the 1970s, there was a huge anti-rape movement with white feminists because during the 1970s, a lot of cities were being integrated. You know, segregation was over in the 1960s or so in the 70s. Uh, a lot of black people moving into these areas that they were normally not in before. And 
white feminist groups were going around having these little meetings all over the country talking about their fear of being raped by black men. That was big in the 70s, that whole the black man is going to rape me fear among feminist circles, black feminists, not, I mean, white feminist circles. See, the thing is, even though these white feminists were going around with the whole anti-rape movement using the black man fear tactics from Jim Crow, they opened up that old can of Jim Crow where all the white women were told that the black men were going to rape them and they used that to rally public support and outcry. Well, they did the same thing on a lower level in the 70s, but they made it more political and they did it to get financing because what happened is that a lot of these feminist groups, these white feminist groups were like, hey, look, we're scared that these black men are going to rape us, so we're going to need money to, to build centers and to, to get rape crisis centers and mental health centers, and they got it. In the 1970s, white feminists, they got millions of dollars to build rape crisis centers all over the country. I mean, thousands of rape crisis centers were built all over the country in the 1970s. And mental health centers to help people cope with the fear. Notice I said fear because a lot of brothers weren't just going out raping people, just, you know, they weren't doing it like that. But just the fear was getting them funding. And the thing is, they were criticized in the 1970s for that movement. They were highly criticized for being racist on two fronts. They were being racist because they were really pointing out that black male rape myth. That was the racist part because a lot of them were using that. That was their whole Trump card. Also, what they were being accused of was excluding black women because black women wanted to sit at the table and talk about being raped and the fear of being raped. But they wouldn't let black women come to the table in the 70s to give their grievances about rape, which they should have if they were going to be very honest about it. Because, you know, rape is real. I'm mean, Nobody's saying that it's not real and it's traumatic and all women should be able to sit down and, and at the table and talk about it and, and, and discuss that. But the white feminists would not let black women do that. Because what they didn't want was the black women to sit at the table and be like, hey, you know what? A couple of white guys and rape me too. That's what they don't want to hear. That's what they that's the dialogue they never want to get into. You don't want to get into the generational and historic rape of white men and black women, where white men have never ever been punished on a grand scale, especially during Jim Crow, but you've never seen a white man, even now, really get punished, punished for raping a black female. And for a long time, the whole consensus was a black woman could not be raped by a white man because all of the sex was supposed to be consensual or that she deserved it somehow. So that was, uh, and that is now still the consensus why you, you want to be very honest. Because anytime a black female accuses a white guy of rape, they always go into the woman's background. Just like that, that woman with the Duke lacrosse, and they found out she was lying, but the fact that they even investigated her when the, the woman went with the, she was a stripper, she went to the Duke lacrosse party, and she, she said the guy's raped her, and they said, hold on, wait a minute, aren't you already a hoe? That was their whole thing. They, rent, they went to the jugular. They didn't even play games with her. They're going to second guess your ass. And that's now, that's recent. So just imagine how it was in the 70s. So they totally excluded black women from that table. Now, like I said, they kept getting a lot of criticism for that. So in 1981, they decided to pretend to throw a bone to black women. 
and there was a, a pamphlet that was going around. I think it's called the Aegis, the Aegis. I can't, I can't think of the actual name of the pam- the pamphlet that was a weekly pamphlet that went out f- by a feminist group. And there was a writer by the name of Michaela De Leonardo. She was a white feminist, and she was the first person to ever print the term street harassment in 1981. So the term street harassment was actually given to black women by white feminists. But why did they do that? Like I said on my show before, a lot of black women, they couldn't go into corporations and and, and file sexual harassment suits because the first of all, the white feminists weren't having them sit down at the table. And plus, if a black woman accuses a white guy or a CEO of rape, she's always going to get second guessed and they're going to not take her seriously. So the whole street harassment thing was something that they could throw to the black women. Since white women were already using it to a certain degree, they've been using that since Jim Crow. So in in 1981, this article came out, this pamphlet went out and circulated around feminist circles and the writer, Michaela DeLeonardo, threw a bone to black females. She said, well, look, many people think that street harassment is just about white women and black men, but black women also harassed by black men too. This is what the article said. Now look at the Jedi mind trick there. Look at, look at the Jedi mind trick there. So she threw black women a bone just as long as black women will focus on black men. Did you see that? She didn't say that, oh, oh, black women, white men rape black women too. No, no. Black women are harassed by black men too. So let's black women and white women, let's get together and target black men. That was the whole thing. And that's this whole thing with this holla back shit right now. This whole street harassment thing. That's exactly what it is. It's like, hey, black women. I know we've been excluding you for all types of other stuff. We know that Rush Limbo calls y'all all types of names and we ignore it. We know that um, Imus called you nappy-headed hoes and we know it. We know that The Onion called that little black girl who was up for an Oscar nomination. They called her a cunt and we, white feminists, we ignored it. We, we know it. But now we have this thing called street harassment where all these black men out here harassing us in the streets. And why don't you join us so we can target them? And then you have a lot of black feminists like, cool, no problem. That's why you're a pawn in the game. That's what makes you a pawn in the game. When these people who have historically excluded you all of a sudden want to buddy up against people within your own community, you don't get the Jedi mind trick in that. We fall for tricks like that all the time. We fall for tricks like that all the time, family. And the thing is, right now, if you look on the net, there's a black feminist named Hannah Price. She has a blog where she takes pictures of men who street harass. And then you go to her blog and look this up. Her name is Hannah Price. Her blog has been picked up by a lot of mainstream blogs and media outlets. You notice when black females do something against black men, other publications have no problem picking up on that. They'll support that. This woman's blog has a bunch of pictures of her taking pictures of black men who quote unquote cat called her or harassed her in the streets. Now the dudes are looking like, what the fuck? May- harassing means looking at, harassing means in her eyes or in the eyes of a lot of these um, feminists, black men saying hello, uh, hell a brother looking for too long is considered harassment. 
And now what they're doing, they have an app, and I think the Hollaback Company is behind this too. They have an app that women can use if you're being harassed in the streets. You can push something or take a photograph and put it in some kind of database, some central database, and it can also be used to alert the police. There's like a 311 number you can call in some cities using this street harassment app. Who do you think they're going to call the police on? Let's be realistic. Who do you think they're going to call the police on? Now, we can throw up the smoke screen. Well, we, we need to do something about all this street harassment. No, you just, Tariq, you just want us to be raped and hurt in the streets. You just, stop it. Because if you really want to stop street harassment or do something about street harassment, again, give me the paper. Give me the money. I'll go around the country, and I'll go to New York in particular, because the men will listen to me, and I'll just tell them to stop. I'll break it down why they should stop if you really want to stop it, but you don't want to stop it. You want to criminalize black males because somebody else is putting you up to it and then some of these women especially black feminists they try to use the excuse of black crime being underreported I've heard that a lot from a lot of these black feminists about black crime being underreported oh that's just like in the 60s where a lot of women didn't want to um, uh, um, accuse black men of crimes because of loyalty to the race what the what loyalty Loyalty to the race. Do you know how many brothers in jail because of sisters? Sisters called the police on brothers daily without any problem, without any kind of shame, without any kind of loyalty. The jails are filled with brothers being turned in by black women every day, even for things they haven't done. Look at Brian Banks. Brothers get accused of stuff they have not even done and they will go to jail based on a sister's word. That happens all the time. So where's this fear that all these women have to not turn brothers in? In the community, if we want to stop that, let's work in our community and do that. Don't get with other groups who you know have ulterior motives against the community. We got to stop being used as pawns because that can go another way. If they start an anti-ratchet movement and all brothers take and pick and choose the ratchet behavior of certain women and then apply it to all black women, you don't like that. So don't turn around and do the same. See, we're going back to Jim Crow. That whole, the black man is harassing me in the streets or the black man is a sexual predator. That goes back to Jim Crow. This is why I always say when black feminists co-sign things like that, you co-sign white supremacist doctrine. Black feminist doctrine and white supremacist doctrine, this is why I say it's very comparative. Black feminists for the most part, would take on the same racist ideology of black men that many white races in the dominant society takes on. And now they want to redefine what harassment is. And there's another white feminist named Cynthia Grant Bowman who's actually pushing to make quote-unquote verbal harassment illegal. So this is a real thing. You know who they're going to target. You know who they're going to disproportionately target. Not that we're doing it all that time, because if you go somewhere with a bunch of drunk white dudes, they're not going to be targeted. They say all types of shit. I was just down in Atlanta recently. Motherfuckers, white dudes be coming, hugging up on me and my friends. Hey, where are you guys from, dude? So they do that to women. They do that to everybody, but they're not going to be targeted as sexual predators like we are. We just look at somebody. That's just going to be the excuse to target them as a sexual predator to criminalize them. And now with stop and frisk, when you run up on somebody, you just can't say, 
hey, just put your hands up. What are you going? What are you doing? You can't do that legally no more, but you can walk up to them on the streets of New York and say, hey, excuse me, sir. Somebody just claimed that you harassed them. I'm going to need to see your ID. Or, hey, um, a woman just reported that you were um, looking at her too long and that constitutes street harassment. I'm going to need you to put your hands up. Don't think for a minute that's not what's happening. That's exactly what's happening right now. They're using that as a Trojan horse for the new stop and frisk. And they're using a lot of black women and black feminists as pawns to do that. And my point is we got to stop allowing ourselves, men and women, to be used as pawns. See, the thing is, a lot of sisters, y'all try to put this whole sexual perversion thing on us and try to co-sign with other people pointing the finger at us about sexual perversion. And that's very detrimental when you do that. And again, that whole sexual perversion myth of black men, that goes back to Jim Crow and Emmett Till. If that Emmett Till would have been charged for street harassment, and that's why they justified him getting killed like that back then. Because the black man is a sexual predator, and if you look at somebody or make a comment to somebody, they deserve to be punished. And that's what they're doing now. And unfortunately, what we have are a lot of black women co-signing this. That's why I always go in on black feminism because you are used as pawns against the community. And the thing is, a lot of black women who listen to black feminism, a lot of women who are black feminists, who are self-identified as black feminists, they purposely do things to sabotage the image of black females because they don't give a shit about the black family. They want to dissipate the black family. They've jumped ship a long time ago. So many of them are just literally working with the white power structure against you to try to destroy black females and the black family. They're doing this purposely. I'm telling you they are. Because the thing is, most of what black women picked up from feminism has not only helped you as a group. Because like I said, I've always asked women, Tell me what black feminism has done progressively in the last 50 years. Just tell me what self-identified black feminists has done for the community in 50 years. What have they accomplished in 50 damn years? And you cannot give an answer because they have not accomplished anything. And as a group, the things that black women pick up from feminism, it actually works against you. Certain things like certain terminologies and certain ideologies like the whole independent woman thing that came from feminism that now works against black women that whole I'm an independent woman thing because now you're struggling out here these neighborhoods are being gentrified because they're the, the, the money isn't flowing and we don't have an economic base because of all these single parent homes and you can't develop a community that way you made being a so called independent single parent a badge of honor and that came from the feminist movement promoting that the whole my choice, my body, I do what I want sexually, that came from feminism too. Now, you have a choice. If you, you get a, get pregnant, you got a choice to get an abortion, that's fine. But this whole I'm taking empowerment, empowering my sex, and sex that promoting promiscuous behavior with women, oh, don't slut shame me, that works against you because now cats ain't wiping you. You want to get knocked up by five, six different niggas, why am I wiping you when everybody else is getting the fucking milk for free from the cow wife you for what 
you got babies and shit. Wife you for what? All of this stuff comes from a lot of the, the feminist ideology. The whole shaming black men thing. That's another feminist ideology tactic. To shame men into going along with your ideology. That works against you because brothers are not a real dude. They ain't gonna sit around and take that form of disrespect. And what a lot of these black feminists do not tell these women is that when they get around non-black men, all that stuff they told you goes out the window. They become real submissive. They come. They become Susie homemaker around the white dude or the non-black dude. So again, we got to stop allowing ourselves to be used as pawns in the game, black folks. This whole street harassment movement. I'm all for stopping any kind of harassment in the streets, but I look at the full picture. I look at the ulterior motives. I look at the people they're targeting. And the bottom line is we should definitely not street harass. Nobody should be street harassed. And in the same vein, black men should not be unjustly criminalized based on a false agenda that's being financed for different reasons to replace a stop and frisk program that's going to keep the, de- the black community in a certain state of control. Because the thing is, like I said, a lot of black women, y'all can't just go along with this. The black man is a sexual predator thing and think you're going to get away from that. You're trying to side with the dominant society, pointing the finger at us. Yeah, they are sexually predators, the sexual predators. But the thing is, they think the same about you. They think all of us are the same black men and women. You can't get away with one. That's why I get on brothers for criticizing sisters unjustly because you pointing the finger at her. Trust me, the dominant society thinks the same about you too. And if y'all try to portray the black man as a sexual predator, just remember they think the same thing about you. They think that you are an, uh, an innate slut. They think that you are a natural whore. They think that you are the same. That's why they'll keep you at arm's length. And that's why they don't have problems with the show Scandal. They'll put that show out. And black women, y'all think it's empowering. And I've gone in on this show a million times. But you think this show is empowering. But when white folks look at it, you know what they think? Let me let me just keep it 200. When white folks look at that show and see how fly Carrie Washington is. And she's running things. And she's beautiful. And she's luxurious. But she's sleeping and, and being a side piece of a married man. You know what they say? told you all of them are like that all of them are whores I told you I told you honey they're all whores no matter how you clean them up no matter how you educate them their whorish nature is just gonna come out told you they were sluts that's what they think about you and us and we all we got just remember that hey family that's been today's episode of the Mac Lessons Radio Show I hope you learned some very good constructive energy or information don't forget to go to tarikaelite.com ladies and gentlemen and get the brand new international aviator sunglasses they are fly you're gonna look fly don't forget to join me in buffalo new york at the market arcade theater november 1st screening for hidden colors 2 and i'm gonna do a question and answer all that good stuff follow me on twitter at tarik nasheed follow me on instagram at tarik elite y'all have a good day family